All right, so um, so the scene for Matthew uh, 21, uh, if we'll look, uh, if you have a, a paper Bible that has headings, it says before our section, which is a parable as we've been studying throughout the semester, um, we have an exchange where a lot of times it is labeled uh, authority challenged. And what this idea is, is there is uh, the Pharisees and Jesus are having a conversation that's talking about um, that they are challenging Jesus's authority, okay? That they are asking him, like as he's doing things, by what authority do you do these things? And so this is the question uh, that he poses, to, uh, poses or that he is dealing with with them. And so uh, our parable deals with that issue for us. Uh, and so I want you to think uh, around your tables, if you haven't been with us before, um, we uh, are trying to uh, engage uh, you in spiritual conversation, meaning that you're getting more comfortable talking with one another uh, about uh, scripture, about truth. Uh, and so this morning, uh, I want to start off a conversation uh, with you and have you talk around your tables about this. So um, Aaron, there is a, uh, there's a slide that has um, three, uh, it says, was Jesus instructing them, correcting them? Keep going. There you go. So what I want you, the first thing I want you to do as you're looking at this passage, I want you to, what is um, Jesus trying to do with this parable? Okay. Um, so oftentimes when we have these stories, uh, we don't often ask, well, what is the point of the story? And so I want you to just kick that around your table real quick. Here's your three options. Uh, was Jesus instructing them, meaning, hey, he's telling them something that they didn't know. Right. So he's being really nice. The second thing is he's correcting them. So when we correct somebody and, and when Jesus corrects somebody, it's generally done in relationship. It's not some random person, right? It's somebody that uh, he already knows, particularly his disciples. And the third option is he's warning them, right? He says, uh, so this option would be that the people think they're okay, right? It's like, hey, we're in a relationship that we think is going well. And somebody says, hey, you know, I don't think that actually is going that well. That would be a warning, right? So. Talk amongst yourselves. What do you think Jesus is doing here? Instructing them, correcting them, or warning them? Them being the, uh, the Pharisees. Oh, Matthew 21, sorry, 28 through 32. Yeah, I didn't ever say that. That's good. So Matthew 21, 28 through 32. Just whatever passage you want. It's fine. All right, let's read uh, our passage together. It should be on the screens behind me. <clears throat> so as uh, the last line of uh, verse uh, 27 before our passage, and Jesus answering said, uh, we do not know by what authority uh, John does these things. And he also said to them, neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. And then he asked them questions, but what do you think? And gives them this scenario. A man has two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterwards he regretted it and went. The man came to the second and said the same thing and answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said the first. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. 
But the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him, and you, seeing this, did not even feel remorse afterwards so as to believe him. So the parable, I think, is fairly straightforward for us as we see that he's asking, you know, what does it mean to be obedient, right? Who, who is obedient in this situation? The person that says they will be, right, and isn't, or the person who dismisses, say, I'm not going to do that, but actually ends up doing it, right? It seems like, okay, so why does he tell them the story? We'll, we'll get into that. But the second part is a little, bit, uh, a little bit more confusing because we're not sure what he's kind of warning them about. He's telling them, he wants them to understand what does it mean to be obedient as plainly as he possibly can. But then the second part, he, uh, he is making some comments about maybe some stuff that we're not sure of. And so here's how I want you to, to think about this. Right, so John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus, that he, need, he had a ministry that was bringing people's attention for the need for change in their lives. Right, whatever you're doing, that there's a person coming that's going to help you see more clearly than you are right now. Wherever, whatever you're doing, right, that this, this person, right, the, the Messiah is going to come and change everything. And so John's is kind of a, a, a prerequisite, if you will, that he's coming to uh, help the people receive Jesus because it's kind of too far afield when he shows up. And so in John's message, his message was simply repent and to receive baptism so that, that they would be ready for when the Messiah came. And so that was his teaching. And, that they th- and the Pharisees were of the, uh, of the mindset that they didn't need to repent. And so I, an- I anticipate that some of us are struggling with that now and uh, have struggled with that for a long time. Right? The Pharisees' great sin was self-righteousness. What it meant was that they didn't think anything was wrong with them. And so this is tough because it's like, so as a, as a believer in Christ, right, I am saved and am being sanctified, right, from, the, uh, from sin in my life, that I am being moved towards something else, and yet there's this part of me that is struggling with, uh, through different phases of my life, to look down on those who are, were once where I was. And so we are, uh, so we judge ourselves um, well. But if any of, uh, of you have had the struggle, is that a good mindset to have? That I think I'm okay. Because when I think I'm okay, I am better than everyone else who doesn't think that. And so this is what Jesus is trying to get at. John came teaching that they all needed to repent, and they thought that they didn't need to. Well, that actually refers to everyone else. I think this is probably thoughts that you've had. I'm not that bad. I'm not doing great, but I'm better than everyone else. And so when he gets into uh, when he gets into the last part of 31, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom before you. They think they're okay, and he makes this charge to them, this warning. Right? The uneducated, the poor decision makers, the dregs of society are going to get in before you. Here's the issue. They did repent. They did understand that they weren't okay. That they had need of Jesus. That they had need of repentance. 
And then in 32, right, as Jesus came telling them, reminding them of the way of righteousness. This wasn't new information. This was the same truth that had been handed down in uh, the Old Testament, right, through the prophets and the law, exact same message. But he's reminding them, right, of the true intent because it, sometimes they would get off track, as we do. We need to be reminded constantly. See, John came to do this, and we thought, well, again, regardless of the warning, as the prophets come, hey, there must be talking about somebody else because I'm okay. But it says, but the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. Right? Those people that we label, man, they're just terrible decision makers. Man, they just, if they just knew more stuff, they'd get it. And so as the Pharisees judge themselves not needing repentance, and they see others responding in repentance, Jesus says, okay, you saw them respond, and you saw what they needed, and you saw them receiving what they needed, and yet you still didn't repent. See, this is a thing I think probably we haven't thought of. There's one thing for us not to hear, but when we see others, right, responding, how do we respond to that? That's a really interesting thing that he pointed out. That really is the, the thing that he really, you did not even feel remorse afterwards so as to believe him. You counted yourselves out of that group, and you still count yourselves out of that group. And so Jesus is trying to warn them, hey, you're, you're in that group. Everyone's in that group. And so this morning, right, that's what I want uh, us to deal with, right? That this, this insidious attitude that we can have that, that seemingly comes up out of nowhere, the self-righteousness that Jesus condemns in the most straightforward way again and again and again. Because when we think we're right, right, <laughs> When we think we're good, when we think we're okay, that is actually when we're in the most danger. Because we don't have need of what we used to think we had need of. Uh, so there should be a new, another uh, blue slide, Aaron. Huh? It says, um, so here's, uh, here's the question. This is not the round table just to think about. So I would say in America, what is true, right, is what I think is who I am, right? In America, I would say that this maxim is true. What I think, right, is who I am. As we ask people their opinion about stuff, man, they will give it. They're passionate about it. They feel good. They like to tell you what they think. And this is how we... Uh, get into our tribes, that I'm in a particular tribe by what I think, right? This is how we section it off. If I had some elaborate game to section you off, you would pretty easily come up in the camps and then we could reseat you by what you think about certain things, right? In America, we're really good at this. We think, we think things and we think that that is who we are. But Jesus has been challenging this idea for a long time. Pharisees thought this as well. What I think, right, is this idea of uh, orthodoxy, right? If I think the right things, then I'm good, right? 
This is a challenge for us. This is what the world says is okay. But Jesus challenges us and he tells us, so actually what I do is who I am. And so uh, I want you to take just another, uh, another half second, find the person next to you on, at your table, so do a little, another little table discussion, but I want you to basically just talk to the person next to you. And um, I want you to respond to those two options. What I think is who I am, or what we do is who we are, okay? Why, why do you think strongly about one of those? I'm assuming the first one, right? But why is the second one actually more true? Okay, just talk about that with your neighbor. Why is the second one more true than the first? So, um, so I wanna hear from a couple people. Uh, obviously it's tough, everybody's not gonna feel comfortable sharing. Uh, loudly, but from a couple people that are, what is, uh, what's at issue here? Why is what we do um, equal who we are? More so than the other thing, is, which is what we think. Billy. Yep. Couldn't said it better myself. <laughs> What we do reveals what we actually think and believe. So this is hard for us because we want to think the best about ourselves. We want to think the best about others. But Jesus over and over is going to uh, make sure that we know that this is not a, a just believing rightly and wanting to do the right thing is not enough. It's never been enough, and it will never be enough. And so that's why he sometimes has to kind of dumb down for us, right, with stories to saying, so which one is obedient? The one who says he wants to be and isn't, or the one who says he's not going to and is? But doesn't intention matter? How do we become self-righteous? There's a red slide up here. I want us to walk through this because I think that this is helpful. And as you're saying, that's pretty insightful, Rob. Well, it's because I struggle with this too. <laughs> How do we become self-righteous? First, I think it's by believing the lie that I can decide when I need to be obedient. I'm used to being the authority in my life in so many areas. But guys, this is a lie. This is really hard to think about because this is how we live. God tells me to do something and I kind of think about it. He says something very plainly in his word that he doesn't, shouldn't have to tell me to do and I think about it. He gives me an identity and I Think about if that's how I want to be identified in the moment. So we believe the lie that I can decide when I need to be obedient. The second thing is that I think that I'm special, that I'm the exception, and that I get to make the call. Anybody else love this? Right? Something's said and you just 
think, you know what, they must be talking about everyone else because I need to think through this and decide if this is for me. Anybody else as good at that as I am? I am special. I'm the exception. I get to make that call. Can everybody sit down? I'm fine. I'll just stand back here. <laughs> right, because I'm special, I have the exception. I get to make that call. Now, the speed limit's this. It's fine. I'm a really good driver. <laughs> I don't need to do that. This one's my favorite that I do. Right, it's all the teaching that we've heard, if we've heard some of the things that we've read. Right, you know what? I'm just going to make up my own brand of Christianity. <laughs> take the things that I like, take the things that I'm comfortable with, take the things that I'm good at, and those are the things that I need to be obedient to. Now, I'm going to tell you to be obedient to everything else, but I am only going to do the things that are easy for me. I really like that one. And then here is a great indicator when I'm, when I'm dealing with self-righteousness. You know, God, here's, where, uh, here's what I'm comfortable with, Jesus. I know you've got, like, big plans for me, but I, I'm really comfortable with, like, where you have me right now. I've got kind of stepped down to faith a little bit, and so, like, yeah, yeah, I like this space. I'm good. You understand, don't you? i got a lot of stuff going on. I really like this. And so it's, uh, you've probably done this, so you've maybe talked to your boss, and then he gives a, an assignment, and you kind of go to him to, to the side and kind of explain to him, like, why you can't comply. Anybody done this? Right? He's like, I must not be talking. I mean, I'll go talk to him. It's fine. <laughs> right? We have an agreement. Normal rules don't apply to me. Does this step on any toes of yours that it, like it does mine? Well, if you had told me before self-righteous, now I'm not self-righteous. Oh, but as you described it, yeah. Yeah. As I get more comfortable with this arrangement, I begin to sit in judgment of others. I begin to tell them to do things I have no intention of doing myself, right? Except those things that come easy to me, right? I no longer become a sinner saved by grace who is learning to be dependent on Jesus to show me how to live and love like him. I'm a man or woman who likes who I am and am content with my level of progress. So much so that I can no longer take direction and struggle to want to continue in the relationship that I used to need. See, that is a really bad place to be, is the person who doesn't think they're sick. The person who doesn't all the time need Jesus. Amen? So what are, um, and so one more um, kind of quick discussion what are, what are some of the lies that I need to believe to make that okay? And if you want to put it on the Pharisees, what are the, Pharise what are the lies the Pharisees need to believe for them to be okay with 
uh, kind of sitting in judgment of others and seeing like, I don't need anything, I'm good. This mindset. So kick that, uh, kick that around your tables. All right, so, um, so kind of popcorning around. What are some uh, lies, just throw it out. Uh, what are some lies that we have to believe um, to think that I don't have to be obedient to God's word? I'm a good person. Great one. My circumstances are too hard. It's just this one time. Man, you guys are really good at this. Yep. I've done enough. Man, that's a really good one. Everything's already going great. Everything's already going great while I rock the boat. Sorry, I added that part. <laughs> All right, a couple more. I'll be forgiven. At least I'm not doing that sin. I'll be forgiven. Right, that one's right, but wrong. Somebody else? Huh? There'll be more time. There'll be more time. I'll get them next time. Yeah. We know the lies. Revelation 3, 17 and 18. So this is in the midst of uh, the churches that he's kind of roll calling them and telling them where they stand. Because you say I'm rich and I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. This is what uh, this is the, the, the place that we think. I'm, I'm good, right? So he's describing that. This is what you say. I'm rich, I've wealthy, I have need of nothing. And then Jesus comes in, but you don't know that you were wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Ouch. There's a, there's a miscommunication there. <laughs> one, one person thinks that they are in the best of places, and Jesus is saying... Uh, there's actually not one place that you're okay. Right? You're not just like, yeah, you're not that wealthy or your clothes aren't that good. You're kind of happy. It's like, no, wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. I mean, that feels like piling on. But here's where he is. If that is, if you think you're wealthy, I want to tell you that you're not, Right? That kind of, that self-affirmation. But here's what he advises, right? He's not just yelling at them, right? He's saying here, that's not the space that you want to be in, right? So verse 18, I advise you then to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. I sow to know your eyes so that you may see. That in whatever in that poorest of conditions, Jesus is there for us because he wants us to understand where we actually stand with him. We can stand righteous before the Father, but we also can stand self-righteous. When he says, good job, that's not self-righteousness. When you say good job, we got a problem. Do we want to hear it from ourselves or do we want to hear it from him? Luke 16, 15, a little bit before the passage that we're in, 
He's talking to the Pharisees again. He said to them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. So here is, so this is a question we won't kick around the table. I just want you to, to think about it. Lots of questions this morning because I think that that gets into, right, what we need to is we need to question ourselves. Uh, what determines whether you listen to someone or not? What determines whether you listen to someone or not? So I just want you to think about this. Don't, don't have to kick this around your tables. Right, but how do you determine that? In our passage, he talks about, uh, in verse 32, for John... Uh, Sorry, in verse 31 uh, of our passage, chapter 21. Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. It sounds very similar to a passage in um, the Sermon on the Mount of Matthew 5, 19 through 20. He says, whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And he has in mind those that do that. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's the same concept. Right? And you see the thing that he hinted on, right, is the doing. Our righteousness cannot be a self-righteousness or an outward righteousness only. As I want to... uh, I want to uh, start closing here with with three things that I think that we've got to embrace. This may be something that you've never heard in quite this way before, uh, but I want to challenge you that this is uh, what God is calling you to. And so the first one is, when Jesus gives a command, okay, He is not asking you if you want to. We add that part. Okay, when he gives you a command, he's not asking if you want to. He doesn't care. That is not our determination to make. Uh, We have small children. You have friends, right? You ask them to do things, and they're like, hmm, we're going to decide if I want to do this. (laughs) Our oldest son is usually pretty good as opposed to just kind of not responding. He'll just say no. So we're very clear on where the authority lies. It's with him. <laughs> he thinks it relies with him. It's like, son, this is something that we tell him, and then I turn around and like, God, I do this to you, don't I? But you tell me to do something, and then I just think, thanks, man, that, that's great. I'll think about it. <laughs> when Jesus gives a command, he is not asking if you want to. He expects you to do it. We have got to get that out of our vocabulary with God. He is not, that is not your place. That is not something that you get to ask, and he's not waiting for you to think about it. When he has, and this is something plainly scripture will say, is something like in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Huh, think about that. No. Seek first his kingdom. That is what it means to be obedient. 
It's not when I feel like it or when I get around to it. So when Jesus gives a command, he's not asking you if you want to. Number two, when Jesus calls all Christians to adhere to a certain activity, to do or not to do something, he's not asking you if, that he, if you think that applies to you. I'll read that again. When Jesus calls all Christians to adhere to a certain activity, to do or not do something, he is not, he is not asking you if you think that applies to you. It does. Before the passage that we, uh, that Andrew uh, worked through with us last week, it is some uh, Sermon on the Mount teaching. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it'll be given to you. Show mercy and you'll be shown mercy. These are not optional things or things he hopes that you get to. These are things he's telling you to do. He's telling you to forgive. He's telling you to be merciful. He's telling you to forgive. And then lastly, and this is going to be the most specific when Jesus calls you specifically to do something in the moment through the Holy Spirit, He is not wanting you to take your time to wrap your head around it and to think if you think it's a good decision or not. I'm trying to think of a reason why I can be non compliant. I got it, I got something to do. That's my favorite. He wants the need to be met right then. I want you to thought experiment. What if prayer works like this? Okay? Just. Someone earnestly asks God for something according to his will. And then he begins prompting his people who can answer that call to say, Ashen, you're like, huh. Eh. <laughs> and then he goes to the next person, and the next person, the next person, the next person, the next person. All he needs is someone that'll just be obedient and the, the prayer's answered. And yet we're not listening. Have you ever thought about why you have these thoughts to do X, Y, or Z? Call that person, pray for them. Go give them something. Go talk to this person. Do this. That's the Holy Spirit wanting to you to participate in God's will. Our disobedience is keeping people from God's love. And our delayed obedience is doing that a lot as well. Think about if you actually did the thing when he said it, okay? You know what? This is going to be so strange. But the Lord told me to tell you X or to give you this or to... And you're like, that's crazy. I just prayed for that. It's fresh in their memory. All of you are like, yeah. Yeah, that would be better. We're in with some inspiration. Here's a, a few quotes that I think are really helpful. We like quotes. This one's from John Stott. 
Christian obedience is unlike every other kind of obedience. It's not the obedience of slaves or soldiers, but essentially the obedience of lovers who know, love, and trust the person who issues the command. I asked you a while back, who do you decide who you obey? It's generally the people that we want to keep in good graces with. Is God one of these people? Or is it just going to be okay? Because I'm too busy doing my own thing. C.S. Lewis, to know God is to know that our obedience is due him. I wonder so often in Matthew 7, right? And you will say, Lord, Lord. Right? They're doing stuff. Uh, um, I think I'm doing what you want me to do. And he says, man, I don't know you. Charles Colson, the Christian life begins with obedience, depends on obedience, and results in obedience. That's the nature of the relationship. That's what it's supposed to be. Oswald Chambers, we, know, we learn more by five minutes of obedience than by a 10-year study. That's the one to write down right there. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one act of obedience is better than a hundred sermons. Both for you and whoever sees you be obedient. Oh. Thomas Akempis, whoever strives to withdraw from obedience withdraws from grace. A.W. Tozer says, to escape the error of salvation by works, we have fallen to the opposite error of salvation without obedience. And lastly, lastly, Oswald Chambers, our Lord's first obedience was to the will of his Father, not the needs of the men. The saving of men was the natural outcome of his obedience to the Father. Let's pray. Father, there is the really terrible parable of the two men praying. And the one prays knowing that he is sick and in great need of a new Lord and Savior. And the other prays thanking him that he's not like everyone else. Lord, wherever we are today, Lord, we need to hear what you have to say to us, whether we're mostly getting this or we're nowhere close. Brother, that God wants us to be obedient, and that is for our flourishing and the flourishing of those around us. We have some issues with authority. They're deep-seated, we are untrusting, and we far too much trust ourselves. Father, would today, would you encourage us and remind us and help us ask good questions of ourselves, Father, if we are in some way self-righteous?
Lord, you were smiley and welcoming to everyone that, that you came in contact with except those that didn't think there was anything wrong with them. Your attitude and your countenance was stern. And so, Father, would you be gracious to us? Father, that, that you would give us the focus needed to, to really accept uh, the truth here and then act accordingly. Father, it doesn't matter what I think. I can think all the right things. I can have all the right answers, Father, but if I'm not obedient to you, it's for naught. We thank you for your word. We thank you for its challenge. And we thank you for the opportunity to get it right. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.